We are back with another best of episode. And in this episode, we are chatting with Haley Burkhead all about profitable launches. So if you missed it the first time around or you need a refresher, go on, grab your notebook and listen in. Welcome to the Modern Creative Podcast. Listen in as we connect with other creative entrepreneurs and have real conversations about life, business, and everything in between. Owning a creative business doesn't have to be confusing or overwhelming, and you don't have to go at it alone. It's absolutely possible to be successful as a modern creative, and we want to help you to go after your own creative dreams. Welcome back to the Modern Creative Podcast. As we enter the new year, you're probably buzzing with new ideas or at least dreaming of what to do next for your business. I know I am, and that's why I'm so excited to have on today's guest to chat all about profit launches. You definitely want to grab a pen and a notebook because our guest speaker is a wealth of knowledge and both Joyce and I have already learned so much from her. Before we get started, I want to remind you to leave a review on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. We love hearing from our listeners. All right, let's get started. So Diana said you should grab a notebook, but I legit also have a notebook because I know I'm (laughs) going to learn so much from our guests today. So today we have Haley Burkhead with us. And Haley is the founder of Scalability Lounge and Recurring Profit, where she helps entrepreneurs create consistent income without adding more to their schedules. Welcome, Haley. Thank you so much. I'm so excited to be here and meet all of you. We are so excited to have you because that's when I start singing like names like Haley, Diana. So I get really excited when I start singing. Um, So before we really dive into profitable launches, you know, you know that I'm someone who's followed your entrepreneurial journey, like not in a creepy way tangent the most creepy emoji is the two eyeballs that are like looking to the side and so not like in that way Haley have I been following your entrepreneurial journey but I have been like super in awe of what you've been able to build in the last year right so I would love for our listeners to learn a little bit more about your business background how you came up with your products with all of your productivity tactics because I think it's really going to resonate with our listeners who are mostly side hustling creatives. I thank you so much for following along because it's been a crazy adventure. I'm just going to say adventure. It's been exhausting, but rewarding and challenging and emotional and all the things, um, but so, so great. And let me tell you, I totally understand the side hustle gig thing. So I started out as a fashion blogger, which was my side hustle, right? So as a fashion blogger, I would go to Goodwill. I would grab like J. Crew like name brand clothes, right? Put them on a blog and then have affiliate links to make money. And that's how I would make money in college. And that morphed into, actually, I really just like designing and coding. I don't actually like the affiliate links or the press or the PR, the visibility portion of it. So knowing that about myself, I pivoted to be a blog designer. I started being a freelance blog designer. And from there, it turned into a website designer. I started doing realtors, just like all the things, right? Um, when I switched to freelance web designer, that was my first year of marriage. And I got married young, like before I was legally allowed to drink at 20 years old. So <laughs> here I am, first year of marriage, working 14 to 16 hours a day, refusing oh to take- Oh my gosh. Yeah, it was hustling. bad. Hustling, but not the profitable kind of hustling because I was making maybe thirty to 50000 a year with my business which is great money. It's great side hustle money, right? But if you're a business, you know, it cuts into your profit margins. How are you going to grow? Marketing, all that stuff. It wasn't a business business that I 
was proud of. And I think the reason why was because of the way my lifestyle was. I mean, I refused to take a shower because I felt like it was going to take away time for my business. I felt like if I went to go eat lunch, very normal thing that fuels a human body, very necessary for survival. But if I was to go eat lunch, oh my goodness, I saw the money draining on my bank account. So I honestly, I gave up. I got a nine to five job because, and I was so lonely and depressed too. I mean, being cooped up in a house, it was the worst. And anyway, so I went to go to this nine to five job. I was around people that have, weren't wearing pajamas, brushed their teeth. It was amazing, but I didn't love it, love it. And it was a culture that didn't really promote ambition. And I was a very ambitious person. And so I just did not fit the culture at all of the company. And (laughs) so I was sitting one day, I was creating a budget for this client. And he he was saying, Haley, I just need more newspaper ad budget. I was like, I think we need to be spending more money on Facebook ads. That's where it's at. Here's the data to prove it. And I was just really like fighting tooth and nail for more money for $500 more on a Facebook ad budget. You're like, oh my gosh, is this how I want to spend my time? and my life. And this is not how I want to change the world. Like this is apps. It's a waste of time. It's ridiculous. And so then what I did was talking to one of my friends about this. And he said, Haley, how many people are you helping right now while you're at this job? I said, well, maybe like a hundred people like on in my side hustle. Cause I still kept my side hustle. I was actually running an agency on two hours a week, six figures. And let me tell you, let me back up because my schedule when I was at my job, if any of you have a nine to five job and this is your side hustle, let me tell you, I was working 40 hours a week at this job, right? Normal work week, but I was driving an hour and a half to get to the office and an hour and a half to drive back home every single day. That is 15 hours in the car plus 40 hours work week plus keeping my side hustle. So I at least had some avenue of creativity and um, had a six figure agency on two hours a day. Obviously, that's a 60 to 70 hour or yeah, a 60 hour work week. Um, I my body crashed like I was actually stuck in bed for months and I was bedridden. I couldn't move. My immune system was wasn't there, wasn't existent. <laughs> it's like everything just I got sick from everything because I worked myself to the bed. And so then my money just drained because all my money depended on clients. So I had $12 left in my business bank account. And then, so that's all the the background information. Then my friend asked me, how many people are you helping? Then he said, how many people are you helping because you're at this job? And that was a big realization of, wow, I am meant for so much more. And I quit my job the next day with $12 in my business bank account. And uh, we grew that membership to 36,000 a month in six months. And just yesterday, a year and a half later, we past the MRR of a million dollar business. So it's $86,000 a month, which was insane. So just to back up, MRR is monthly recurring revenue for those that are listening. So that means Haley, like, that's just insane. We we could stop now. We're not really going to stop (laughs) because we haven't really started, but like, congrats to you, Haley. That's huge. But it isn't just about the money. And I, as I'm like writing notes as we're chatting, like Mm -mm. I wrote down meant for so much more. Because mm-hmm. you realize that. And so remember, you know, those that are listening, those that are watching, like you're meant for more. If you're not happy about something and if you feel called to do something else, like you can do that. You give yourself permission to do that mm-hmm. and impact and help more people. Like you can do that. There's nothing stopping you. Yeah. But I had a quick question regarding that part because I completely agree with you, Joyce. 
But another part of me is like, girl, you have $12 in your bank account. Like, how did you quit? Not when you were like, okay, I hate this job. So in three months, I'm going to save up $2,000 and then quit. But you were like, no, tomorrow I need more impact. I don't want to just work doing Facebook ads for a dentist office. Like, Yeah, that would have been smart to save up. (laughs) (laughs) That would have been the best. Probably, but smarter, logical. I, I didn't save I either it. when I quit, so I feel you, Haley. Yeah. I had I had a little more than twelve dollars, but I also didn't save, and I was like, "F this, I'm out." Yep, yep. Yeah, so. <laughs> I would love to hear that. Like, what made you like so you know passionate to quit right away the next day? Like, people don't do that normally, so I'd love yep. to hear that side. That's such a great question. I'm glad you're saying that because I actually don't get asked that a lot, but I'm glad you're saying that. Yeah, because $12 is not a big investment. You, what can you do with $12? Nothing, <laughs> pretty much nothing. You might be able to buy a $10 a month software and then cancel or something. But um, what I did was I created a very, very strategic sales system. So I don't, because I do not want to rely on, this is the big thing that I said. It's like, okay, how do I want to sell? I don't want to sell the way ClickFunnels teaches people because it makes me want to take a shower. You've all seen the Facebook ads with the big boobed women and the, the really fast cars that are by the guys saying, this is how you make this much money. And you're like, oh my gosh. And then you want to take a shower afterwards. I didn't want to do that. That's not ethical. Second thing is I didn't want to do live launches. I know that there are really successful people in our industry that do live launches and there is nothing, absolutely nothing wrong with that. But I know my friends I've seen on the back end where they're just depressed and it's called the live launch blues. I don't want to have that. I want to make sure that I'm spending more of my energy serving than selling. And the selling part is automated and predictable. So that's what I wanted. Okay, how can I make my selling automated, but also following the mission of my company, which is making sure that everyone feels heard, seen, appreciated, and loved but also automated. So that's like a hard mix, right? Then on top of that, make sure that I'm actually getting predictable income and adding the MRR. The way I run my business is is very different. So we don't set like revenue goals. We set MRR goals. So we basically just profit stack every month. Like right now we know that I think it's like 70,000 is our MRR. So baseline, we've made 70,000. Our 86 is things that added on top of that, but we have our baseline. So I add our, we do MRR goals. So that's how I started running my business is, okay, how can we just increase our MRR, which makes sense for a membership, right? And if you uh, do not have a recurring monthly payment, you might not want to set goals that way. But I just want to be transparent because I don't think a lot of people are talking about MRR goals. So knowing that I created a sales machine and this sales machine was tailored to my audience. And how did I tailor it to my audience? I talked to them. I became best friends with them. What I would do is I got on the phone with 10 to 15 people. I asked them market research questions and listened and recorded and then went on a transcription service called Timmy, T-E-M-I. It's like super cheap, 10 cents a minute or something like that. Crazy cheap. And then transcribed it all, highlighted the key parts, and I built a sales machine off of that. And I used sell psychology components to make it a high conversion rate. Then I networked. So because I didn't have an email list, I didn't have a big following. I had a podcast with very few listeners. Didn't even use my podcast because I didn't know how. Very ignorant, you know, which is fine. We all start there. So I had nothing. But I did have, I knew how to network. So I went and I talked to some friends 
I got in front of their audience, put the webinar in front of their audience, and then we sold. Now, this is how I was able to scale quickly. I was able to, let's say, let's say Joyce. Okay, let's say Joyce and I did this together at that time. So Joyce, we would have a webinar together, right? And let's say that Joyce gave me 100 webinar leads. Awesome. So let's say that out of those webinar leads, 10 to 15 bought. Then what happens with those 85 people? Well, Joyce gets commission on those 10 to 15 people, right? But on the back end, what happens with those 85 people? I put them in a six-month, two emails a week automated campaign that sends them back to our evergreen webinar funnel. So that way we're doubling and tripling our profit on the back end. So those 10 to 15 people are original sales. Great. I'm getting cash flow immediately. But then on the back end, I'm also adding 10 to 15 sales within 30 to 60 days. So I'm profit stacking and my MRR is just increasing every single month. You get enough of those and now you're just like off to the races, right? So that's how I start at the very beginning with $12. I had to be very, very strategic. And we had other strategies, but that was our main core one. I love how you started with things that doesn't work. Like instead of like, oh, because a lot of people start their businesses. Oh, I love painting and drawing. I love calligraphy. You know what I mean? So I don't know if you think that's unique or not because you're probably, I mean, it's your brain. Yeah. And then you started with, okay, my friends, you know, they did the live launches, webinars, and that didn't work out. So I love how you, even though you didn't define it, you were doing market research with the $12 that you had knowing that you are a math person, like, you know, practically speaking, like most people wouldn't quit with the $12 in their bank account. But I love how you, because you're so strategic and math focused that you were able to do that and kind of thought through those things. Oh yeah. Cause business, all businesses is math. And you know, so (laughs) many people want to tie so much emotion into it. And the emotion comes out when you're loving people, when you're selling to them and you're impacting their lives, when they buy your thing on the Etsy shop or you know, they see you on Instagram and they're inspired by your art. Like that's where the love comes through. And that's where emotion can, I mean, we're not robots, but business at the end of the day, I think a lot of us start our businesses, accidental entrepreneurs or as hobbies that turn into side hustles. And sometimes like if we're going to want to grow our business, you have to let go of that mentality. You can run a hobby, you can run a side hustle, or you can run a business or you can run a company. And if you want to go from hobby to side hustle, you have to let go of the hobbyist mentality. If you want to go to side hustle to business, let go of the side hustle mentality. If you want to go from business to company, let go of the business mentality. And it's a bunch of letting go. <laughs> yeah. Oh man. I get, I get that like the frozen thing I'm picturing in my head from Disney. But <laughs> let it go. <laughs> <laughs> but before we really dive into launches, I do want to just highlight something that you also said, Haley, where you were like, I didn't know how to use my podcast. I didn't have an audience. I didn't have an email list. (laughs) And I just want to highlight that because I do think that we have a lot of listeners who are just starting and they're kind of, they're frozen. We'll just say frozen again (laughs) because they're like, oh, I don't have a thousand Instagram followers or I don't even know what to do with my email list. I have five Mm -hmm. people on it. And so just don't let those numbers stop you. Like there's a way around it. I mean, Haley gave you great examples about networking and working with your business friends and doing webinars and kind of utilizing other people's audiences because it's mutually beneficial. It's not like you're just using them, you know? So I do want to highlight that because for those that are listening that are like, I just don't have enough followers. So of course, Diana can do it. You know, she has 20,000 followers or something. That's not the case. Um, So don't let that stop you. Yeah. I'm so glad you highlighted that because 
a lot of people and I get a lot of people that think, well, I can't launch this because I don't have the audience. And the reason why, if you go back, because I always like to analyze, okay, why do you have this thought? And it's because who are you following online? If you're following big marketing gurus online that are teaching you to grow your audience and then live launch that audience. And then what do you do after that? You grow your audience more and then you live launch the bigger audience. Then you grow your, it's a cycle, right? But this is why I teach people to get out of this cycle. If your sales strategy relies on your warm audience 24-7, then what are you going to end up doing? Beating your warm audience over the head with buy this, buy this, buy this every month or every quarter. Like you don't want to rely on your warm audience for sales anyways. So why try to use strategies that rely on your warm audience for sales? Go find cold, free leads, people that have never met you, but don't pay for them and attract people like that into a sales machine that's predictable, then by that point, it's just math and you get to impact more people. It's just math, everybody. (laughs) Like don't, don't tie emotion to it. Like Haley said, in that way you can stop this like analysis paralysis. I think that happens Mm -hmm. to a lot of entrepreneurs, creative entrepreneurs. So Mm -hmm. thank you, Haley. So I'd love to dive into kind of launches, launches 101. The word launch itself, I think freaks a lot of people out. I'm also one person that has done live launches and I no longer do live launches. I just really cannot anymore. Wait, really quick, for people who don't even know, sorry, for people who don't even know what live launch is, do you mind just really quickly going over that? Just, you know, you just never know who's listening. Yeah, that I'm so glad you said that, Diana. Yeah, uh, live launching is, there's, there's different ways to live launch, but this is the main one, is you have a free piece of content that's meant to sell at the end. Like, let's say a webinar, right? So a webinar, so you're giving them a 45 minute free training and then at the end you sell your product. And so the live launch is meant to have a promotion where, and I mean, if you follow the even bigger people, they teach like a multiple week pre warm up strategy. And then once you've warmed your audience up, then you have a seven day marketing strategy where you're sending all these leads to your webinar and getting people to sign up saying, yes, I want to watch it. I want to watch it. And then you have one to two time slots where you go live on this webinar and sell. Then you have a, usually a five-day back-end strategy after the webinar and you have an email sequence and you're live launching, right? So you can see how this is exhausting is a typical live launch, it takes a solid five to six weeks and that doesn't even include prep time for all the materials you're using during the five to six weeks. It's a lot, yeah. <laughs> I just exhaled like... Like, because I, you still live launch and like successfully, but then at the end of the day, you can't even speak anymore. You're so tired. So I hear you, (laughs) Haley. So that's what a live launch is, everyone. And Haley teaches not live launching. She teaches live launching. Yes. (laughs) Um, But because, you know, a lot of our listeners have been in business for about two years or less, and we do have a mix of product and service based creatives. I'd kind of love to hear, you know, what are some things that, you think that they can be launching as creatives who have product and service-based businesses? Okay. So like, give me an example and we'll do a specific. So let's say one of our listeners is an Etsy shop owner, because I know Mm -hmm. we have plenty of them, right? And they're, you know, putting their artwork up there on Etsy. What are some things that they can be doing to kind of automate the selling of Mm -hmm. their creative products? Okay. Love it. Okay. So if you have an Etsy shop and let's say you're selling digital prints, right? So if you're selling that, then what you want to do is you want to first create a sales machine before you even think about launching, because it's not about having one big push. That's not, I mean, you can do that, right? That is definitely a marketing strategy, 
But the way that I like to teach people to sell is do not just do one big push. First, create a sales machine that is predictable and consistent. What most entrepreneurs lack in their business is predictability. And the reason why is because we're making all of our business decisions off of drama, not data. So there's all this drama in our mind, like, I don't have enough revenue. And then you're in survival mode and you're freaking out, right? If you are making all your business decisions off of the drama and not the spreadsheet data, that's really hard. So how I like to combat this is not just say, hey, it's a mindset issue because like, yeah, maybe, but also let's be tangible here and let's actually create a sales machine. So there are four main parts of a sales machine, basic parts that I teach everyone that they need to have. So these are the four parts, attract, invite, persuade, convert. So the invite, persuade, convert, the IPC part is the sales machine. The attract is what's leading people in the sales machine. So I hope you don't kind of visualize this while you're driving or working out or whatever you're doing right now. So the IPC is something that our goal is to keep increasing the conversion rate, right? So we want people that if they are invited, then they are persuaded and they are converted. As many people as that get invited, we want to convert. And then the attract is just we want to increase the number of leads going into the IPC. So then it comes to now it's just data. If we know that we get, let's say, 100 clicks to our invite. So actually for an Etsy shop, let's specify what's invite, persuade, convert. Um, I would say that invite would probably just be either like a discount, maybe the discount code or, uh, or the product Free shipping, page. something like Free that. Free shipping. Yeah, yeah, maybe that's it. Maybe the product page. Or you know what? I would say for this sales machine, the invite would probably be the product page. That would be like inviting you to that. And then persuasion is what do you need to do to like really get them a shift their belief to buy? So everything that you're doing when you're getting someone to buy is how do you shift their beliefs so that they believe that they need to buy? So their belief when they land on the invite, which is the uh, product description page, right? Their belief might be it's too expensive or is buying this art worth it? Or where would I even put this in my house? I don't have enough room for it, right? Like think of all the beliefs that they have. And then the persuade part of this is to shift all those beliefs and to basically disassemble them. So that could be with the free shipping. That could be with the discount code. That could be with a really great copy in your product description that says, it's going to save you time. It's going to save you money. It's going to uh, look really great in your house right here. We recommend this placement and this is how other people have used it, right? Shift all their beliefs and then you convert. So then we go, let's say that this, we keep increasing our conversion around the IPC. Now we go to A. Now I want you to choose, especially since a lot of you are side hustlers or maybe uh, making under six figures, I'm assuming. So if, if you're making under six figures, I recommend people have two main attractors. Two. That's it. I know. I'm really limiting you here. You're probably rolling your eyes at me right now or shooting daggers because I know as creative entrepreneurs, we want to do all the things because it's so much fun. We want to be on Instagram and Pinterest and Facebook and have a Facebook group. And we want to do all the things, but it is hurting your business. And so what I want you to do is choose to, um, like, let's pretend like it's Pinterest and Instagram. So now you're going to go all in on Pinterest and Instagram. And we're going to cut out the blog, the Facebook, that whatever that we're doing, right? That's not converting. So I see a lot of photographers, they spend five to 10 hours a week minimum on a blog that's not converting into photography clients. 
That is happening so often because we're seeing the Facebook ads that say blogging will help you get clients. And this is how we're like, oh, cool. This is the secret formula. And it's actually not right. We have all seen that. So there are things right now that you're probably doing in the A column, trying to send leads to your IPC, the product description that are not working. It is your job as the leader of your side hustle and business to figure out what those are and try to do it based on data. Um, so that's my, I know that was a lot. <laughs> no, no, I love it. And I love that you address the blog because I think that people who have a website are like, like, okay, I have to have a blog. <laughs> like you don't have to have a blog. It can be video, it can be no, podcast, yeah. but as long as that is converting. But I just feel like it's one of those things. I need an about page. I need a blog. And it's like, okay, is that I'm blog really doing something for you? Yeah. I don't even think they need content. <gasps> I know. I, I know. This, this is crazy. This is crazy. Um, this person coming up here on this podcast telling you that. I know. But like, honestly, I do not think like if you are an Etsy shop who sells art prints, right? You could have $200,000 a year off of one amazing Pinterest account. And then once you get to that six figure mark, let's say you just hire someone for $300 a month to manage it for you. And then they keep scaling it for you. And now you're at $200,000 a year off of one Pinterest account and a really strong IPC. That means no blogging, no podcasting, no YouTube channel, no social media, just a really strong search engine and referral networks, right? Referral people. So maybe you get referrals if they're sending you back your way on the Etsy shop. That is it. How crazy is that? I think a lot of us have the belief that business has to be hard or business has to take a lot of time. And so what we do is we fill up our time or we make business harder than it has to be. When in reality, it really doesn't have to. And so what I want us to all do as the visionaries of our business, I know a lot of us don't get to spend a lot of time in the visionary role because we're building and building and building. But like, I would say, take the next 30 minutes to really step into the visionary role of your business. I want you to envision what does a simple automated business look like that fits into what I want my life to look like in 12 months. So for me, it was an evergreen webinar funnel and an automated sales process. That way I could spend my time in the community loving on people and being on Instagram, responding to DMs. That's my strength. That's what I want to do. Yours will probably look different. What does that look like to you? I love that you also mentioned like the lifestyle you want, right? So I feel like a lot of our audience start their businesses because one, they love their art. They love their craft. And they're like, hey, how cool would it be to earn money off this? Plus, I hate my job. Like they're just like, plus I hate my job, right? So they're just kind of, they're trying to get out of this um, non-ideal situation, thinking that the creative business is going to be the ideal situation. And what frequently happens is that creatives get burnt out or they don't know how to grow it or they don't really know how to scale their businesses. And it's just this focus on leaving a bad situation. And then you might end up in a kind of similar situation with your own business because they're not thinking about the lifestyle. So that was my point there. Yeah. Like bring it back to the kind of life you want to lead and how your business can support that. Yeah, so I key. love that. Yeah, like let's say, okay, let's say I want to quit my nine to five job. Then I want you to be unemotional about it. I want you to think in math. So how many art prints do you need to sell every single month in order to not only keep at the job income, right? But make more. So figure that out. And then if you have your AIPC, you know that if you get a thousand clicks on Pinterest, then that leads to uh, 950 people that actually view the page. And out of that 950 people, 
you have, let's say, 50 conversions. So that's a 50 divided by 950 conversion rate. So then you know that if you want 100, cool, now you need close to 2,000 people to view that page. How are you going to get that? If you want 150 sales, you need 3,000, right? It's just simple math. So then you can work backwards. And then also I want to add, if you do that math, I want you to numb yourself from the emotion that you're going to feel about those numbers. It might be high and you're thinking, holy crap, I don't think I can do this. I want you to numb yourself from that thought because that's not helpful, not going to help you if you actually want to scale your business, right? If you don't, that's fine. But if you do, you're going to have to learn how to be normalize these bigger numbers and to normalize it because I have some big numbers too. I have a 26 million goal, which is like, what? And so how I do this is I do a math meditation every morning. It's, it's a little bit crazy. No, I want to be, tell us, please yeah. <laughs> tell us about it. So what does I that have, look like? I have this room and I, I need to like show you guys a picture. I don't know if you guys have seen it on Instagram stories, but it's this room in my house that the, I have an entire wall that's just whiteboard. And so every single morning when I wake up, I go through what my main goal is and I break down the math every single morning. So I say, okay, if I want a $26 million company, and I have two branches in my business. We're about to start a second branch. Uh, for uh, It's, it's going to be amazing. And I can't legally say anything yet because trademarks in progress, but it is awesome. So we're starting a Yay. second branch as part of that. But I break down all the math behind both branches, both businesses, until I hit the very end number of how many leads I need in the sales machine. I draw it out and I visualize it every single morning. And then I meditate on it and I visualize what it would look like in order to hit those numbers, what my business would look like, what my, I want my life to look like. That way I can normalize it instead of thinking, oh, that's just too big. Because our brains can create whatever you want to create. Think about it. Right now, your business, your brain has created that. Whether you like it or not, your brain has. So just change your thoughts. Change how you're visualizing your future. Um, I want a full wall of whiteboard. I just have that dinky guy right there. So I'm going to work on that. That sounds amazing. Oh, I don't even know where to go from here. I, well, I think good vibes. I know I'm getting really excited about this whole thing. I feel like this is some high level stuff broken down into very basic, like step one, step two, step three, very, very tangible, actionable things. One other thing we did want to ask you before we really get into the profitability side of things, because you are all about profit, Haley, is bring it back to the beginning. What does someone need in place before starting the sales machine? Is it as simple as just really defining their offering and product and being really like confident in that? Well, you don't need an audience. You don't need ads. You don't need to be really great at marketing. You don't need any of the stuff that you probably think you need. So all the stuff you think you need put it off your list because it's going to waste your time. What's going to be super, super valuable for you is market research in a really fun BFF kind of way. Get on calls with ideal customers. Get on calls, listen to them. I don't know why some people, they just like want to kick back at me and they're like, no, like they're bucking wild. This is the best and easiest and quickest way to scale your business because you in your head right now, you might think you know what your audience needs to hear, but you don't because you're not in their head like they're in their head. If you know how to craft everything, your copy, your language, your marketing, your messaging, really think about it's like your best friend. Like you know how to convince your best friend to do something because you know their personality, you know how their brain works, right? But if you met a stranger, you don't know how to convince them to do anything. Same concept. You need to become BFFs with your audience, which is a very easy 
get them on a Zoom call, transcribe it, basically make the words that come out of their mouth your textbook and study it. That's how you get really great copy that resonates with your audience. And Haley did mention that transcription service. So we will link that in the show notes. Be sure to look at the show notes in a little bit. But I know Diana wants to dive into profitability. Like I know. Diana loves talking about <laughs> money. So let's do it. I love talking about profitability. Wow, I can't even talk right now because I'm that excited. Because, okay, for me, Haley, Joyce already knows this. Our audience knows this. But I'm all about breaking the starving artist narrative because I myself have a fine art background. And that's such a, uh, such a nasty like stereotype that even successful artists, like we make multiple six figures and I'm an artist, but even now I still like, am like oh, defensive about that, which is ridiculous. So I love talking about profitability and numbers, but I also know that that's, you know, I want to speak to our audience who maybe are a little bit nervous, like they're like listening to you, like, wow, that's so great for you. But let's speak to those people because we love speaking to those people because we were once that type of person too. Um, What tips do you have for people who are intimidated with launches and making it a little bit more fun? Before we dive into the profits, I want to start with like that side of things because I feel like you make it sound so like easy and maybe people are like, oh, stuck in the numbers, but like, how do you make it fun? just like what you're talking about with the visualization um, and kind of creating a beautiful life for yourself. Yeah. I would say don't view it as a launch. I I think a lot of us have this mindset around launching and we put so much emotion and connect. We basically like attach this cord of emotion to the word launched. And then we start freaking out and we put so much pressure on it. But if your business isn't fun, change it. Like you should be making selling fun. If selling is not fun to you, change the way you sell or change your mindset around selling. There's something there, but selling has always been so much fun to me because I see the value in what I bring. And you know, something that I've, that I've been doing every morning is I look at testimonials of people who have bought my products and all the things I'm like, wow, I need more of this. So every morning that's part of my math meditation actually, is I go through, I'm like, oh wow, Grant hit 10K in 30 days or Hannah went from zero to 27 clients in six months. I'm like, wow. And then we go through their stories. I have one story every morning that my assistant pulls for me and I go through it every single morning. So like think about people that have purchased your art on your Etsy shop. Go look at where they put it in their house and start visualizing that for other people. And then don't put any pressure on the selling. I think that is the biggest, we break ourselves down when we put pressure on it. But when it comes to launch, I would say, think about something that is a predictable, continual lead source, not a one-time big push. So setting it up where you have the IPC, right? The IPC is taken care of. The invite, persuade, converts taken care of. And then your A, all you need to worry about is your A. Once the IPC is checked off, you just have to track the data for the IPC. And then your A, your attractor, focused on building that up, but not in one big push. You know what I'm saying? Okay, let's give a specific example. If Instagram is your A, right? How can you, at a continual basis, get 500 clicks from Instagram to your I, your product description, every single month? Okay, so if we went over that, then it could be, why don't we go through um, specific people that follow different art magazines and go comment and like all their photos? If you... I don't know how much cash you have on hand. If we have someone that already has VAs, have your VAA do this. 
if you don't have a VA, awesome. Solopreneur life is great too. Then you just do that. And that'll be great because you can connect with your audience even more and build that up. But what are like, I guess what I'm saying is how can you make your A column, everything that's attracting into your IPC, a daily, weekly, monthly task that is repeatable and predictable instead of like, how can I create one big launch and get this much money? Because then it's just so much pressure. Yeah, definitely. So that's actually a really good point. I love the part where you're talking about the testimonials because I remember before when people would ask me like, why do you love art? And I couldn't really explain it because I'm like, it's just an internal emotion. But I think once you're able to externally say what your business is about or why you do what you do or what your mission is, I think starting from that place is so important because if you don't know what you're selling, how is anyone else going to know? So I love how you started with that too. And you talked about don't put any pressure on selling. So I want to talk a little bit more about that because that almost feels like countercultural. I mean, it, it, it is countercultural, right? To say like, don't put pressure on selling, yet we're talking about your incredible profit launches. So maybe we need to dive a little bit more into the math thing because I, I'm so curious about your, your math meditation and you said you do it every single day, but like, what does that look like? Do you do like 30 minutes? Like, I would love to kind of hear more about that because you just seem to have this confidence specifically regarding numbers. And I think a lot of people don't have that. So I'd love to hear more about that as well. Yeah. And the reason why people don't is because they attach a story. They create a story in their head around the numbers. So if you're looking at the numbers and your revenue's low or your profit's low or whatever's low, you're attaching a personal story. You're making that data say something it's not. You're making it say, I'm not good at this. I'm not good at sales. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not. You're attacking yourself. Okay, if you're sitting there attacking yourself, how is your business going to grow? You're attacking the person that's supposed to grow your business. You're basically beating them up. How is that helpful? And, you know, I've been there. And that's why I'm saying that, like, that's why I went to a nine to five job was because I was doing that. I was making the numbers and creating a story. How am I supposed to grow my business, my freelance web design business? If I can't even be nice to the person that's running the business. Um, so that's number one. And, and what, was your, what was your second thing? Sorry. Um, I guess, yeah, I, I was kind of curious about the, the math. I'm sorry, what did you call it? Meditation? Math meditation. Mm-hmm. Yes, mm-hmm. math meditation. So I know that you have more confidence because you've also been tracking your profitability as well. So because I, I think I wrote down, let me go back to my notes. I have so many notes now. It's like all a mess. <laughs> I, can I just say though? Oh, let me go back. Hold yes, on. I have okay. one, two, three pages of Haley notes right now. Oh, wow. <laughs> I know we're like, we're like multitasking right now. Okay. I just wrote, build a sales machine, do the math, mm-hmm. visualize, meditate and live it out. And it's oh, super like, yeah. Cause a lot of people are the opposite. They live it out first. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Without visualizing. Um, so we kind of went over that. So I don't want to like go over the sales machine again, but I wanted to ask you, how do you best track profitability moving forward? Just like how you're starting this new branch. It's not just like I lived it out. I'm just going to imagine and decide to start a second branch based on my drama or my feelings or my confidence. It's like, you've done the math and you've tracked it. So how do you go about doing that? As you grow, your profit's going to decline. Because if, if you want to grow fast, there are businesses that let's say they're making 5000 a month, but if their profit margin is 70 to 80%, they're more than likely not growing at all. Um, so it's something to consider. I view money as gas or as like more energy on the 
pedal basically of the car. So if you want your car to go faster, more money on the gas pedal, obviously investing it very strategically. So I map out everything. When you get to like my point in business, it's more about team. But before it wasn't about team. It was about energy and resources really. But it was about, okay, if I invest this money here, like, like affiliate is like, okay, I'm giving up 30% commission, right? Um, but so all that money's going away and that's going to mess up my profitability, but I am growing the company on the back end. I make full profitability on that. So, um, the second thing is like right now, so I'll just go with my business right now. So right now I don't care about my profit margins because I think that there are periods of time in business where I'm making high profit margins, but I'm also plateauing. If you have high profit margins, you can brag all day long, but like, are you growing? Now, if you want to be there, like there is nothing wrong with your business plateauing. Let me say that. I think that not everyone has to grow their business to even a million or past a million, even six figures. Like you get to decide what successful means for your business. Let me preface it with that. But if you are someone that's ambition would just kill yourself if you didn't keep growing, then I want you to view money as just a resource to multiply your investment. So let's take an example of like hiring a VA. When I hire a VA, okay, so a Pinterest, let's say a Pinterest manager, because I know a lot of you probably use Pinterest. So if I hire someone to get leads for my webinar funnel, and I know my webinar funnel converts at, uh, it converts at 15%, but just to do easy math, I'm going to say 10%. So let's say my webinar converts at 10% for everyone that comes, becomes a lead from Pinterest. If I pay my Pinterest manager, uh, let's say $500 a month, because that's an expensive Pinterest manager, right? But if I know that that Pinterest manager can get me 1,000 leads every single month, and that's the metric, then that 1,000 leads turns into 100 customers based on the math. And that 100 customers turns into $6,700 every single month that I get for 12 months now. So now I've made 7,000 times 12, whatever that number is, off of $500. And that's going to keep repeating every single month. But what if you didn't know the math of that? And you went to a conference or you went to uh, listen to another podcast and they were saying, oh, you shouldn't be paying your Pinterest manager any more than $200 a month. Then you're thinking, oh, I'm paying them too much. Okay, but who cares if you're multiplying your investment because you're multiplying your investment by like 20X with that number, right? So that's how I view money. And it is, who cares if you're profitable? I mean, obviously you want profit. You don't want to go negative. I think there are people that put money on credit cards and are negative and like, that is a disruptive money behavior that is probably needs to be healed from something. We don't have to go into that, but that's a completely different story. But I mean, I would say minimum, like try to make at least 10 to 20% profit every month. Let's just put a number on there. So we have a black and white, but it's okay if you're not making above 50% profit, even above 30% profit margin, right? Because as long as your investments are multiplying, there are periods of time where I had 10% profit margin, but there's no way we would have got to a million dollars in a year and a half if we wouldn't have done that. So like what I was telling Joyce and Dana, we were all chatting yesterday on Zoom, just like hanging out. And what we were talking about was like, let's say you had a 50% profit margin with a $100,000 business. Now you have $50,000 left over in your bank account, right? But let's say you had a 20% profit margin on a million dollar business and you were doing the same amount of work because you were spending that money. 
but you have $200,000 left in your bank account. So you get a higher salary, but you have a lower profit margin. So be careful about where you measure success. And is it a false data? Because sometimes we like to measure things that don't actually equal success. So Mike dropped. Diane is giggling because she's like, so Mike <laughs> No, so many mic drop moments. There's so many ones that I was like, oh, we should start off the episode with this. Girl, season. I wrote no. down my top <laughs> Haley moments of the podcast that I will share before we close this episode out. So oh, I love yeah. that. Yeah. Okay. Before Joyce closes it out, I just want to say one thing. I love how you talk about money. It's super mm-hmm. exciting to me. It's like really like tangible and exciting to me. And what I'm hearing is, is that money is relative, right? I mean, let's just put it out there. Money is relative, but profit and results are real. So I love that we're talking about something super tangible. So thank you, Haley. That's, that's my like big takeaway. And I'm totally going to do that math meditation afterwards. Good, you um, should. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I want to do the math meditation too. Um, <laughs> and I will, but man, so, so many mic drop moments, everyone. Uh, like I said earlier, now I'm on almost four pages of Haley notes. But let's just break down the big highlights for Diana and I this episode. So, you know, you get to decide what successful means to you and your business. Remember that it is data over drama always. Make sure that you have a sales machine. That's how you can get off this live launch cycle and you just create something that's working on the back end. There's lots of noise about passive income. This is kind of how you do it, guys. Um, You don't have to do content. You saw me gasp when Haley said that. So that was a big mic drop moment. If your business isn't fun, change it. If sales isn't fun, change how you're selling. And try out that math meditation with Diana and I. I think we're going to, why wait till tomorrow? We're going to start today. And remember to normalize those big numbers. I know how scary math can be when it comes to your business, but when you normalize it, then the fear goes away. Anything that we mentioned in this episode will be in the show notes. If you're listening on iTunes, Spotify, if you're watching on our website, it's all there. So you can also connect with Haley that way. Haley, thank you so much for joining us. Really, four pages of notes. That might be the most notes I've ever taken during our, what, year and a half of podcasting now. So we appreciate you. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. I'm so glad we got to hang out. Awesome. So as always, we thank you for listening to the Modern Creative Podcast, and we'll catch you in the next episode.